everyone and welcome to The Riff. Um, as you may notice, I am not Dan. No, you're not Lauren. No, I'm not. Um, so Dan isn't here with us today. He is excitingly on paternity leave. That's right. Uh, late last week, Dan had his second child and him and his wife and the child are, are doing well, but... Unfortunately, or fortunately for you, uh, listeners out there, we've got Lauren back again. So, how are you this week, Lauren? I'm good. I'm good. And to Dan, who is, of course, listening, congratulations on your beautiful baby girl. That's right. By the way, just before we get into it, Cam, do you have that money you owe me? That you owe me 20 bucks? Mm, I don't think so. Did we have a discussion about that 20 bucks? Well, you owe me 20 bucks, but. That's all right, because today we're talking about <laughs> debt recovery. Yes, we are. Okay, well, I think we're going to get into how you can probably try and get your money back. I think one of the things we're going to talk about, though, is monetary amounts above $20, though, aren't we? Well, generally speaking, that's the kind of clients we'll see, but this will certainly assist me in making sure you get that 20 bucks back okay, to me. Okay, well, hopefully it helps me out knowing what I need to be prepared for. That's <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. But yes, yeah, so we are talking about matters today, specifically where people owe sums of money, not items though. So specific sums of money. So for instance, 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Um, and most of the times money is owed to people through agreements. Exactly. So first thing to look at when you're looking at recuperating funds from somebody is... Um, the amount of money that's owed specifically yep. and then the type of agreement that you've entered into with someone that they've then failed mm-hmm. to comply with and now they owe you money because of it. Yep, yep. So when we're talking about agreements here, agreements are sometimes called contracts. Yeah. That's a very common term. And contracts are usually written. Yeah. So if I go, for instance, and buy a property... I would sign a contract. Exactly. Now, for property, it is legislated, so it's in the written rules and regulations of the country, um, that that contract must be in writing. But there are many contracts out there which aren't in writing. Exactly. So, for instance, the agreement that you and I made the other day for you to lend me $20 for lunch... That was not in writing from what I remember because I didn't sign anything, did I? No, you didn't sign anything and that's 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 my fault because I'm, I'm a lawyer and I should know better. I know, but you know what they say, the, the builder has the worst home. So That's exactly <laughs> right. So for everybody listening, any time that you enter into an agreement, lawyers will always tell you to have it in writing, nothing written, nothing said. That's right. Um, but there are more types of agreements that can be binding. So there's... The old handshake agreement, the verbal deal. Yep. And that's just as binding, however, a little bit harder to enforce. Well, well, that's the main point here. I think from our perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lauren, but it is a lot easier for us to deal with an agreement in writing when things turn bad rather than a handshake agreement. Exactly, because the terms and conditions and all of the rest of that agreement are right there and everybody's signed up and everybody's agreed to it. I think we can say as well is that usually when an agreement is in writing, uh, it can be a lot cheaper for us to be able to give advice on that because we can see what the terms are straight away rather than trying to piece together some story as well. Exactly. Say, oh, but did he say that he would give it back by Wednesday and now it's Friday? That's right. And then there's 
often a lot of capacity for people to misunderstand what someone has said or misremember it. And I think a key thing to remember here as well is that many people make verbal agreements with, say, family members because they don't think that anything terrible is ever going to happen. But unfortunately, the pessimist in me looks at it and says, well, if something is to go wrong, you want to be protected. That's exactly right. And from a family law perspective, it's very important um, to always have any type of agreement that you have with your family written because it can it can come back in so many different ways and in so many different jurisdictions. Yeah. But we're not getting into that no, today. No, no, we're, no, we're simply not talking that. about so, debt recovery. So the key things to remember from what we spoke about so far is that to be able to recover a debt, you need to be able to show that there is a debt through some form of agreement. That's it. Okay. And you need to be able to say how much it is. Yeah, and that's right. All of that. And by saying how much it is, so we said those sums before, 10, 20,000, whatever. We, we're not talking about, say, if, for instance, you think somebody has your car or exactly. something like that. We need to quantify that value to be able to start the proceedings we're talking about today. Exactly. We need to be able to say this person needs to give you x amount and we're saying that's why they need to give you that amount yeah okay sounds good so we've worked out the amount we've worked out that there's an agreement what else do we need anything else at all well we'd need to identify who the person is or what company we're pursuing this from okay because um sometimes one of the the hardest things to to find out is who the agreement's actually with exactly you might deal with say one person from a company all the time that you make, uh, I don't know if you're buying and selling goods off them, that one person, but really you're dealing with the company, not that person. Exactly. So that's one of the key factors that need to be worked out. Now, another reason why it's important to work out whether or not you're taking action against a company or an individual usually depends on the cost as well, because if you're an individual and you're taking action against an individual or, or a company, to take it to court, it's cheaper than it is for a company. Exactly. And it can be also relevant in circumstances where maybe you're acting as a sole trader or, you know, you're a Johnny Builder out there and you've done work and you need to get paid for it and you entered into this agreement, but you entered into it under your, as as a, as a, in your company or in your capacity as that. So it's really important to be able to, able to identify who yep. the parties to that agreement yep. are. Yep. So that's really the key factors of what we need to know before we know what to do next. Exactly. So say, for instance, in this example we've just put forward, I owe you 20 bucks. We've established that it was verbal. We've established the figure of $20. Uh, and we've established that we're also both individuals. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So where do we go to from here now? I need to know if you have the ability to give me that 20 bucks back. Well, th- that's a good thing to know. And it's a great thing to know at the start, if you can. Because as we go on here, uh, and we're, we're going to preface this at the moment, but as we go on, it is very cost effective to know whether or not you have a chance to recover these funds from this person. Now, the reason we bring this up is is we see companies all the time into, agree- into agreements with other companies and those companies go downhill and are wound up and there's no assets in those companies because companies don't usually own things such as property or Exactly, like exactly. And, you know, the old adage is you can't get blood out of a stone and the 
it's really applicable here because if you can't get the money back because that person who you've entered into a contract with doesn't doesn't have it, then you can be wasting your time from the very beginning and throwing good money after bad. Yep, that's right. So if we can establish that at the start, that's great, but it's not super important, not as important as those other things. We no, no, exactly. It doesn't stop us from being yeah. able to move forward, but yeah. it certainly makes it more beneficial to move forward. That's right. Now, another thing I just thought of, Lauren, is in our example here, I owe you $20 and that was for lunch last week. How long do I have to take that action? Like, or for you, sorry, to take that action against me? Is it one week? Is it a month? Like, am I set free now? Do I have to not worry about it? What What do I need to know? So I have six years to start proceedings. But an important thing to note is that I have six years to start proceedings from the last time you acknowledge the debt. So say I flick you a text message in a month's time and I say, hey, mate, that 20 bucks you owe me, what's going on there? And you send back, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, no worries, I'll get it to you shortly. I have six years from that text message. That's right. And I think our general advice would be not to wait six years. If oh, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm going to be knocking on your office <laughs> yeah, door a lot that, earlier than that, mate. That's right. So, <laughs> But you do have a period of six years. So we've established all those factors. We, we know that you have the ability to prove probably that there was an agreement that I owe you some money. Next step is to determine how we go about it. So how do we do this? So first and foremost, I'm going to write you a letter. Okay. I'm going to send you a letter saying, dearest colleague, (laughs) (laughs) give me my money. That's right. (laughs) Um, As you recall, you know, I bought you that sweet, sweet food. And Um, I can tell you now I'm going to ignore that letter. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> Rude. I'm hurt. So what are you going to do then? Is um, that, you're just going to walk away from it? Because well, that would be great for me. I'm going to kick down your office door. Okay, no, okay. I, I kid. I yeah. just, I'm, of course, then um, going to be looking at something a little bit more formal. Yeah. So I'm going to instruct a lawyer. Yep. Um, not That's yourself. Yeah. I'm a bit yeah. conflicting here. Yes. But I'll be instructing a lawyer to write a formal letter of demand and it will be on a solicitor's letterhead. So it essentially gives that ability to say, I'm not messing around. That's I right. want my 20 bucks back. And, and I think from our experience here as well, sometimes it is enough to exactly. send just that letter. You know, you don't have to take it further. Exactly. Sometimes debtors need to know that you're taking this debt seriously. Uh, and we'll pay. Exactly. Now, what would happen if I didn't respond to that letter? Um, Usually, I would sit down with you if I was your lawyer and say, well, your next step is to draft a statement of claim. Correct. Now, a statement of claim is a formal court document of which we plead how the money is owed to you and what amount of money is owed to you. Exactly, and and how we got here. That's right. So... From my perspective anyway, when it comes to my dealings in this area, it's the most important document. It it is. And we want to make sure that we try and get everything in that document right to begin with. Exactly. So, you know, the key things that we need to include are the sum of money, when things such as tax invoices were issued, when a letter of demand was issued, you know, dates are very important. They are. They are. For this type of It's um, important for it to be pled properly and for everything to be included in detail there's there's so much ability for proceedings to be Mm. messed up in a very small Mm. way but to then affect things further down the track so and i can say lauren in my experience in this civil litigation 
one of the things that really hurt people's cases is when they draft statements of claims themselves and they oh, don't yes. know the rules and regulations. Oh, so much. And it just either gets their claim thrown out or it delays the result that they're hoping for. Exactly. And not only that, but if, if it gets thrown out, then they've spent further money filing proceedings and wasting that time and often the time to have to go and attend court only because they have absolutely no idea how to draft the documents to suit the court's needs. That's right. What they write might be might be completely correct, yeah. but it's just not in compliance with what the court requires. Uh, and a key thing to remember is the only thing the court's looking at at this stage is that statement of claim. They have no idea about the history of this dispute exactly. that you have. Exactly. So and they don't have the ability to, to listen. No, that's right. So one thing you've got to understand as well is that the court gets inundated with statements of claim. So um, whilst we have a system in place, it does take time for things to get done. Exactly. So my advice at this stage would be, if you are going to go down the path of drafting a statement of claim, avoid doing it yourself and get a professional to do it. please do not do it yourself. Because it's just... We're just trying to make it easier for you in the exactly, long run. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I mean, I, I don't know about yourself, but I've had many, many, many people come to me and say, oh, this is the statement of claim that I drafted and it's just been thrown out. I need your help. Yeah. And it's a matter of saying, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry that you've gone through all this already for me to then just do it yeah, and right. all of that. So just, just get it done properly. You know, you don't go to a beauty therapist to get your car fixed. Okay? That's it. So. If a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well, isn't that, it? That's right. <laughs> so we've established that a statement of claim is going to be necessary here. Now that document's drafted and say, for instance, you've gone to a lawyer and have had that drafted. Exactly. That document then needs to be personally served. It does. Correct. Now for a company, it can be served at their registered business address. So yeah. you would, you can post it to their registered business address and it's deemed served, I think off the top of my head, five days. Exactly. From, five days. From yep. the date that you posted it. Um, If it's a person, it can be personally served by a process server. It can be posted to their address by the registry. Or I'm going to just come to your office door. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, (laughs) if you give me the document, that's deemed service. It is. It is. Uh, Then then it would just be a matter of preparing what's called an affidavit of service, which is just my way of telling the court I gave it to him. That's a a signed document. Exactly. It's sworn. It's sworn. But either way, I know that you're aware that I'm starting So say, for instance, you gave me that document on the 1st of August, 2019. When can, when do I have to do something by? So you have 28 days to file something with the registry to say, yep, I'm here and we're going to kick on. Which is a defense, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Or one other way to proceed is to essentially get in contact with my legal representative at that point. Yep. And you can say, hello, I'm here. I'm just letting you know that I'm going to go and see a lawyer and just don't do anything. Just yep. wait up. I'm here. I've gotten it though. But the general rule of thumb is you definitely need to do something within 28 days. Exactly. Like 100%. Do if you not do not do something... It. In 28 days, um, uh, there's a process that goes through itself, which is called a default judgment. And if you don't respond in 28 days, 
the plaintiff, who is the person making the claim, Me. which is Lauren here, has the ability to say, well, you had the chance to respond to this. You didn't. I should win automatically. Exactly. So your failure to do something means that the court's going to say, well, you mustn't care, so I'll just make the order. That's right. And once that order's made, it can be difficult to remove. It is very difficult to remove. So don't do that. <laughs> don't don't let ignore that happen. it. Do just not put your head in the sand. Listen to a statement of claim if you get it and try to act on it earlier in the 28 days rather than later in the 28-day period. Exactly. Come and talk to us if That's you right. get a statement of claim. That's right. We That's can the help. easiest way. Easiest we can way. help. So, statement of claim has, uh, has been put on and we'll say, for instance, you've I've put on a defense. Now, we go through the court process, which we're not going to get into right now, but we go through it. We have a hearing. You know, we can't settle this and next thing you know, the court finds that you have one twenty dollars from me. I told you you'd owe me the money. That's right. Okay. <laughs> so you've won the case. And now that I've got the twenty dollars, I actually want to pay my lawyer. Okay. Well, costs is an interesting issue here, Laura. It is. So one thing about the court system that we have is that depending on the amount of money that we're claiming, we go into a different division of the court. So, yes. as most people know, in New South Wales, we have three courts, well, three main courts for this type of issue. We've got the local court, the district court, and the Supreme Court. Now, Correct. the local court deals with sums of money up to 100000 and we'll do, just be, you know, talking about the local court side of things. Exactly, today. and the small, you know, the, the small, small claims division. That's right. So, recently, the small claims division of the local court uh, has been changed from 10000 to $20,000, which means any claim that is up to $20,000 falls into that division. And that division is a lot more informal than it the is higher divisions. Because there is often a lot of people who are representing themselves and right. they want to be able to try and work with people as much as they can and, and things mm. like that. Yeah. So depending on what division of the court you're in, depends on how how much of your legal costs can be paid back. Now, in the small claim divisions, the legal costs are actually capped at a certain amount, uh, and it's very hard to say how much that will be because it's very case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, it's very dependent on what occurs. That's and right. If there's a lot of you know, appearances or anything like That's that. That's right. But sometimes the issues of costs can help try to settle a matter, you know, because it both really parties can. don't want to spend money on lawyers. Exactly. They, they'd prefer to have the matter go away than spend more money on lawyers. Yeah, that's right. So in this case here, we'd be in the small claims division. Definitely. So I would most likely have an order against me to pay some of your legal costs. Exactly. But it would be a percentage there's a scale, yeah. yeah. yeah it's something right. that would definitely be worked out by my lawyer at the time. Yeah. And, and another thing to talk about here as well is that you could also request interest. Definitely so. So from the date of the letter of demand, yeah. you essentially get to add on interest from that time period. That's right. And, and I think the current rate of interest is the UCPR rate, which I think is about 5. It's 5.5, my yeah. last check. So 5.5 yeah. 5 annually on 20 bucks. It's not much, but... But on 100 grand. It, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it de definitely incentivized. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, okay, we've worked out that you've won the case. We've gone through the process. Where to now? What, what, what happens from here? 
Well, first off, I do my victory dance out the front of your office door. Well, I'm pretty sure that if it got to this stage, I, I might not be working next to you anymore. We might have to put Dan in the middle of us. <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> it, it would be in everyone's best interest. Yeah, but I will still it. victory dance. Okay, okay. But so we've, done, we've gone that. But let's say for the example's sake here as well, you weren't able to establish at the start whether or not I had any funds to be able to pay you back for this. So I would file um, what is essentially an execution order so it's a way of saying i want to get my money yeah what's called an examination order yeah so an examination order is an order of the court which says that i need to provide you with certain details as to my finances exactly so that we can work out the best way for me to repay this debt exactly now that's one of the enforcement measures that the court has another one's called a writ for the levy of property correct what that means is the sheriff will attend the person's property, so my property here, and try and seize something that's worth value to sell to repay the debt. Okay, so that's a writ for the execution of property. You also have an option with respect of if you want to organise to pay the money back. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have the ability to file what's called an application to pay by instalments. Yep. So you can say, look, I can't give it to you up front. I'm a bit short for 20 bucks this week. I can pay it over time though. But here's some details, I can pay you this amount and then it's essentially an ability to be able to continue living whilst also paying me back. Yep. Okay, so that's an option. Say I fail to abide by any of those options, we've got to take it pretty seriously now and although we're talking about $20 here and you can't do it in this case, the last resort is bankruptcy. It is, it is. And like everything in these podcasts, there's so many variables with respect of everything we say and obviously... Being a lawyer is being able to take each case on its individual facts and in a case-by-case basis. So these examples, albeit are very funny, they may not apply in actual <laughs> facts, no, but right. to continue for the sake of this example, there is the ability to bankrupt you. Yeah, that's right. And we won't get too much into bankruptcy right now, but bankruptcy is very, very serious. But it's also expensive. <laughs> it is very expensive. And yes. you only want to really make somebody bankrupt if you know they have assets, such as a property or Exactly. Like if that. you're then able to then get the money back That's from right. it. Now, there is a form of, say, bankruptcy for a company as well, if a company owes you money, and that's called winding up a company. It's the same sort of principles, but a couple of things are different. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So you can take that action against a company as well. But yeah, that's pretty much the process of what happens when somebody owes you a debt do you have anything else to add to that lauren no i think that pretty much sums up debt recovery Mm. in in what would be your what would be your top tip though to our listeners to you know not guarantee that they receive the funds that will put them in the best place to be able to do not write your own statement of claim (laughs) i agree always put your agreements in writing that's right um and and make sure you look if you need help putting your agreements in writing get a lawyer to draft your agreement for you and that doesn't mean draft every single agreement you might just have one agreement that you you know kind of change for each 
don't know, matter that you have in your business or whatever you're exactly a very common one that i see in my practice yeah. is where family are lending their children money so yeah. that they can buy their first property yeah. a loan agreement standard, exactly standard loan very agreement. standard very standard you never expect that you're going to need to reinforce that but if there's something that it's quite big in your life it is definitely worth documenting yeah, that's right i agree lauren that would be my number one tip put your agreements in writing but also Make sure that when you're making demands to people that they're in writing as well. Exactly. So send an email. We've all got email. Just exactly. send an email or a text message. That's exactly. Fine. Nothing written, nothing said. That's right. On that note, I think we'll wrap up for this evening and uh, we'll talk to you all in the, in the next week. So see you guys from me. See you from me.